It's episode four of My Song, Your Song, Our Song. I'm Holden Slattery, here with a guy wearing a witching t-shirt. That's my co-host, Mike Warsh, who has a vast collection of metal band t-shirts. And I actually have a Dave Matthews Band t-shirt on today. That's my favorite band. Um, On this podcast, we talk about songs. We explore how our tastes and knowledge bases differ and where they overlap. In each episode, we talk about one song that's my song, one that's Mike's song, and one that's our song. Today, my song is Visions of Johanna by Bob Dylan. And my song is One is the Magic Number by Jill Scott. And our song today is Heart of the City by Jay-Z. Um, so we'll start with uh, Visions of Johanna um, you know, by Bob Dylan, uh, born as Robert Zimmerman, uh, a Jewish guy from Minnesota who converted to Christianity and then became Jewish again. I learned that from one of Adam Sandler's Hanukkah songs. Um, he's also one of the greatest songwriters and lyricists of all time and has had a really long career and one of the best music careers of all time. Um, I would say Bob Dylan is my dad's favorite artist. I listened to him a lot as a kid, you know, in the car rides with my dad and things like that and was so- sort of liked him, but wasn't really a fan. Uh, I didn't listen to those CDs on my own. Uh, it was kind of the dialect and the, twang that bob dylan sings with annoyed me a bit and the music was a little you know too low-key for me maybe um when i was in the peace corps in ukraine uh a guy named tim gave me some music on my hard drive you know at a time when i didn't have a lot of music with me and i had a lot of time to listen to music um and so i i credit uh tim with two things one is resurrecting my interest in dave matthews band uh, by giving me some of their albums uh, and then making me a much bigger uh, Bob Dylan fan, you know, really. Um, um, and, you know, this this thought made me think about something. Um, do people, do most people tend to avoid or refrain from really embracing the music their parents love? Um, I mean, I listened to a lot of classic rock as a kid and some of the same stuff my parents listened to growing up, but I got into it from a different childhood friend, Adam. And, uh, you know, I liked the stuff my dad liked. He liked some of the stuff I listened to, but it wasn't like, you know, we were really into the same groups. So it was always like one of my peers that got me more into music. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Is that just kind of the obvious, like kids want to, um, you know, rebel or, or differ from their parents with music? You know, what's funny is I, I heard um, a number of years ago that um, if you really like your dad, you're going to love his music. <laughs> and that, and it, it's true for me. So I don't know how true for it is for others. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, three of the albums that uh, this guy Tim gave me were Bringing It All Back Home, uh, Highway highway 61 revisited and both of those came out in 1965 and then blonde on blonde which came out in 66 so this is a period when dylan was playing electric guitar for the first time this was like one of the greatest three album runs in history in my opinion um and i think um you know i needed to be exposed to those three albums with with a young dylan hitting his prime to really understand how great he was Whereas I think my dad was playing a broader selection of his music, some from, you know, later decades. Um, but I love all three of these albums. My favorite is either Bringing It All Back Home or Blonde on Blonde. 
and uh the former one has uh you know more singing almost like rapping like some really ambitious lyricism uh whereas blonde on blonde is a little bit more melodic uh and this song visions of johanna is definitely my favorite dylan song that i've heard um, i'm going to play uh something quickly from uh, close to the beginning of the song, kind of after the the instrumental start and, and where he starts singing. Ain't it just like the night to play tricks when you're trying to be so quiet? Sit here stranded, but we're all doing our best to deny it. All right, so the way it starts out lyrically, ain't it just like the night to play tricks while you're trying to be so quiet? We sit here stranded while we're all doing our best to deny it. Uh, I think it sets the tone of where he's, you know, you can tell it's nighttime, he's thinking, he's in his he own head, maybe, you know, mind playing tricks on him a little bit. Um, so I just first, um, you know, why do I love this song so much? I mean, I think first it sounds beautiful with, you know, the harmonica and the way it works with kind of a, a mellow, but, but still like really nice guitar, organ, drumming, they'll all work really well together. Um, the lyrics sound deep and full of imagery and beautiful rhymes. Uh, and it's very melancholy in a great way. Um, and the song is seven and a half minutes long and I love me a good long song. So especially when it's something like this, that I just think is perfect. Like there's a relief that sets in for me around like four or five minutes in where I'm like, thank God there's still more, you know, there's more verses. I can marinate with this a little bit longer. And the lyrics are obviously really good here. I would say they're not just song lyrics. This is more poetry, you know, meaning it could probably hold up on its own without the music. Um, and also because it's clear, it's sort of clear what the song is about on first or second listen, you know, the basic idea, uh, but at the same time, not totally. I mean, um, you know, it, there's obviously longing for a certain woman or ideal of a woman, but there's also a lot of metaphors and abstractions and different characters who are a bit hard to figure out at first in the song. Um, so, uh, you know, most times listening to this song, I've noted the lyrics that I think are beautiful and I kind of knew the song was about a woman named Johanna and kind of being overwhelmed and haunted by the fact that she's not there with him. Um, you know, whether this is a real person or, or an ideal. But, um, you know, now doing the podcast, uh, I looked at the lyrics closer, read some interpretations, but I'm not going to go deep that deep into breaking down the lyrics because I don't think I'm equipped to do that and really give it justice. I think it's, you know, the kind of thing where you have to spend more time with it and even talk with people who are, you know, more expert on poetry and Dylan. And like, even then you, I think you would get some different interpretations and not necessarily, uh, cold hard like explanations of what what this or that uh line means um so uh this song they say it was written um while bob dylan was living with his future wife sarah at the chelsea hotel in new york um 
And so I think the building is a big part of the song. You hear lines like uh, lights flicker from the opposite loft around here. The, the heat pipes just cough. Um, so you kind of picture that, you know, the old building, there's a skeleton key that's mentioned at one point. Um, and then there's a character of Luis, uh, who is the woman that he is with uh, and he's finding flaws with and comparing to Johanna. Um, like I said, whether Johanna is a woman that he was with before or, you know, is long before, uh, or, or just is just the ideal of a perfect woman, whether, you know, she's real or not. Um, and so he's keeping himself up at night. You know, he's seeing things out in New York City, uh, you know, women who are taking a train, a night watchman, you know, a fish truck being loaded. Um, and then there's some more abstract images in his head. Uh, there's one line that says, jewels and binoculars hang from the head of the mule. Uh, and it says, but these visions of Johanna, they make it all seem so cruel. Um so <clears throat> I, you know, played this for, for one friend who, who didn't appreciate it. I think the, um, the voice, you know, Bob Dylan's voice, uh, his, like I said, his twang is, is something that makes his music less accessible for some people. Although I think that he sings really nicely in this song, whereas as a much older man now, his voice has deteriorated a lot where some people, you know, still find the charm in it and all that. But I mean, I think that he actually sung well back at this time, but it's maybe not for everyone. And the kind of, uh, if I can just attempt the, you know, muttering small talk at the wall while I'm in the hall. <laughs> uh, sorry if that, if that's bad, but, uh, just trying to get at that, that kind of, uh, Cadence. So, Mike, what are, what are your thoughts? Um, to be honest with you, this wasn't my favorite song. Um, I may be a little biased going in. I, I'm not a huge fan of Bob Dylan, to be honest with you. Um, I thought the harmonica in the song was kind of annoying. <laughs> mm -hmm. His, uh, you know, the cadence of, of his voice made me think of uh, Charlie from Always Sunny. Um, he is an absolutely brilliant songwriter and, and even... Uh, more brilliant lyricist but every song that he's written that there's been a cover of I always end up liking the cover more uh -huh. um it, he's just he's hard for me to get into um I did like these these lyrics I thought it was a little the way I kind of interpreted it I didn't google anything but the way I uh -huh. kind of interpreted it was kind of like emotional cheating you know he's thinking about this other woman when he's you know um with a woman presently uh -huh. um I'm happy you shared that, though. I feel like I learned a lot more about it. Um, I would say this isn't my favorite song, but I do like to explore. So mm -hmm. thank you for sharing it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And actually, um, the first time I remember ever hearing of this song, I was in the store with my dad looking at a Grateful Dead live album, and it had visions of Johanna. My dad was telling me that that's a, a song by Bob Dylan. So uh, you could... Uh, check out the Grateful Dead's uh, live version of it and see if you prefer that. Yeah, I think I definitely will. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So next uh, you're up with One is the Magic Number by Jill Scott. Yes. So I firmly believe, I, you know, I was thinking, is this a very Philadelphia thing for me to say or do I actually believe this? 
Um, I do actually believe this. I think she is one of the most underrated vocalists of all time in um, every sense of the word. Her, the cadence of her vocals, the pitch she hits, um, the way she complements every song, both lyrically and uh, instrumentally. And then, of course, her lyrics. I'm not as big a, a lyric guy as you are. Um, but if you're looking to find some awesome lyrics, I, I would definitely dive deep uh, into her. Um, I was first exposed to her in seventh grade because we actually had the same teacher, <laughs> Mrs. Whitehead. I was going to Jenks and um, she was my English teacher. And she was like, yeah, she kept speaking about how she taught Jill Scott. Mm -hmm. And this was 2001, 2002. Um, so I was like, who the fuck is Jill Scott? Uh, Got to check her out. Um, mm -hmm. so I picked up an album, which was literally called who is Jill Scott. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and I was blown away by it I, at this time. I was, you know, I was listening to mostly like rap and like new metal, like corn and like slipknot. And this, this wasn't my style of music. Um, but I could tell, um, how musically mature it was and it, you know, being so immature myself and just like, just developing musically it, it like it hit me immediately um and i think this song i i love this whole album i think this song stood out to me the most um because of the lyrics actually um it it, it gave me um it gave me confidence in a weird way when i you know i still i'm 35 years old but i'm still very dependent on people's opinions of me um even today um but especially at the time when i was in seventh grade and um, I think this instilled a lot of confidence um, and that felt really good. Um, also fun fact, uh, I went to Central High School in Philadelphia on Ogon Sinalny. Um, She ended up going to Girls High, which is right next door. That's where my um, mom went. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. I, um, I honestly can't, I can't speak enough about her. Um, Oh, one other thing I want to bring up is um, this is one of the most known, well-known facts about her, but she wrote uh, Erica Badu's uh, chorus for You Got Me by The Roots. Mm -hmm. um, saying Jill Scott is one of the most underrated vocalists of all time. I have to bring in uh, the connection to The Roots and Black Thought being kind of a, uh, a unanimous, not just people in Philly, but people feel like Black Thought is the most underrated rapper of all time um and it's just funny that they they're both from philly and they work together uh -huh. um but i want to share a couple clips from this song um like i was saying pay attention to everything her, her cadence the way her pitch um matches the instruments her lyrics um it's really unbelievable That's my first clip. Let me play my second. Uh, these two clips are about her voice, but I'm going to play one clip after, which I have to appreciate the uh, instrumentals of this song too. Um, so I'll play that after after this clip. For sure.
see how she plays around with the with the different rhythms of the song. She just picks it apart and then mm. complements it. It's fucking insane. Um, all right, this is my favorite part of the actual uh, instrumental. Um, this is a very like kind of jazzy beat, but um, they have like this flute at the end that really like ends it on a high note. Uh-huh. Here we go. And uh, one uh, to make my point about her uh, voice complimenting um, everything about the song, I just want to play one part of a hook she did. Um, so everybody argues Nate Dogg is the best hook artist of all time. It's a great argument. Um, I think Method Man is up there for me personally, hmm. um, but also Jill Scott. She doesn't have as much material as uh, Method or uh, Nate do. Um, but what she does have is all, it's my favorite part of the song for every song that she's in. Um, so let me get this queued up. This album by Sky Zoo is also brilliant too. A Dream Deferred. You should definitely check it out at some point. I'll probably do a song for this, for the podcast. Yeah, um, but yeah, for sure. We'll do. This part. how her how her voice rides out in the same pitch as the instruments and then she goes dream 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 it's so it's so good all right i'll i'll get off my soapbox about it thank you for listening um so yeah this was my first time uh hearing this song uh i only know jill scott from uh mostly from well I guess you got me. I knew that that was written by her and sung uh, by um, Erica Badu, but I, I I know her from other things like um, Daydreaming with uh, with um, Lupe Fiasco. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, her voice is great. You're right. Um, you know, she hasn't gotten the attention uh, that you know uh, sh- she probably deserves, uh, and I, I want to listen to more of her music. Definitely. Um, so for this song. Um, I love that, you know, that saxophone, it sounds very Latin. Um, and then there's this like kind of clacking sound also. That's really nice. Um, yeah, I like the beat a lot. Um, you know, I noticed the, you know, the, in terms of lyrics, she starts off with math, uh, and that as someone who doesn't really, uh, like math it kind of uh, loses me a little bit on, on first listen like um, in terms of getting into the lyrics I'm getting a little bit lost in the in the math that she's doing um, but you know I really like the um, you know the way that the message is you know finding myself myself you know realizing that the self is most important you know stop worrying about um, you know, the way someone else sees you and, and that, you know, yeah, you're going to be there wherever you go. So you need to focus on yourself and, you know, love yourself. Um, yeah, I think it's, it, it's got a good beat. It would be a fun song to dance with someone to. Um, and my own, and I like the flute a lot at the end, like you said, uh, my only personal note was I wish that the flute came on, uh, 
maybe in the beginning or earlier went on for longer uh just as someone i feel like i could jam out a little bit more with that extra instrument um you know it's a great way to end the song but for me i'm my i was like oh i kind of would have liked to hear more of that in the song i often so there's this band called dying fetus they're a death metal band and they do their catchiest riffs for four bars in in like every single song and like damn it i wish that riff went on for longer Mm -hmm. Um, and I also used to feel the same way about this flute, but I think it makes it that much more effective to like, keep it in Jessica. Cause you, you know, sometimes I listen to the song just for that one part, just like dying fetus songs. I'll listen to it just for that one riff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it feels so good to hear it. And it's like, it's a very good climax to me. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for sharing this song. I'll definitely listen to it more and then, you know, more of the album that this is from and some of uh, her other, you know, her other albums. Um, so next up, we're at uh, Heart of the City by Jay-Z. And I figure it would be good to, um, you know, play a clip just from the beginning of that song um, and how that how that beat and instrumental starts. Oh, oh, listen. All right, so um, this beat is produced by Kanye, um, you know, back before uh, when Kanye was um, just a producer uh, and was making great, you know, great beats. I mean, he sampled uh, Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City by Bobby Bland. So a lot of it comes from that, but just kind of, you know, the, and some of the instrumentals and the drums are kind of, you know, turned up um, and, you know, I'm sure changed in multiple ways. Um, but yeah, I love the the beat of this song more than anything and, and the instrumental. Um, but uh, I also, it's also a good lyrical song as well. Um, it kind of has these uh, as a theme of the song, it's, you know, where's the love for me? Where's, um, why all this hate, you know, jealousy, uh, you know, now that I'm successful, it's kind of, uh, he references Notorious B.I.G. And it's similar to the message of uh, Mo Money, Mo Problems, where he's talking about how, you know, this kind of money and, and success leads to this jealousy and, and other potential problems. Um, and I like the device he uses where in each, uh, you know, verse, he starts out talking about a group breaking up the fat boys, the Fugees, uh, or Ike and Tina Turner. And he mentions Richard Pryor, um, you know, uh, an incident with him. So uh, to me, uh, I didn't look too deep into that, but it's kind of like almost like a bluesy type of lyric where it's like, oh, like, and another, another thing on top of, you know, on top of this that I'm already what I'm already dealing with, like this other bad thing just happened. Um, so um, yeah, it's kind of uh, melancholy uh, um, in that way. Uh, although it doesn't, the, the sound isn't necessarily melancholy. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, besides that, I think um, there's some lines I really like. Um, he, uh, one of them where he says, um, I scrambled like Randall with his, uh, I'm a big uh, Randall Cunningham fan as an Eagles fan. So I always like that line um, you know, where, uh, you know, pack heat, like I'm the oven door, um, you know, back bounce up like round ball. There's a lot of 
similes. So it's not the most like uh, intricate lyrical song, but the one, the lyrics and the kind of metaphors he uses hit hard and, you know, he, he delivers them really well. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the, I think that's part of the genius of, of Jay-Z. It's, it's like, it's, it's a common belief that it's hard to, you know, pop is one of the hardest genres to write because you have to appeal to the most people. And it's hard to make something complex, simple. You have to give it a lot of thought. And for him, for him to come up with uh, such simple metaphors, such simple comparisons um, that everyone understands and it works so well with the, with the song, that's a, that's a unique talent. I mean, uh, people people argue Jadakiss is the best punchline rapper of all time. Um, objectively, Jay Z is the best rapper of all time. Um, I I I adore both, um, and I think it's very very difficult to you know pack heat like the oven door. That's that's difficult. <laughs> you know, it's simple in hindsight, but to come up, you know, that's difficult. Yeah, definitely. He's got some great metaphors. Um, what else uh, do you want to say about this song? Now that I said a bunch about it. Um, I was going to get, so I think everybody, uh, knows the genius of Jay-Z. I think he's unanimously, you know, the best of all time. Um, my personal favorite is Nas, interestingly enough, but objectively Jay-Z is better. Um, I was going to get on my soapbox about, um, Kanye a little bit, cause I, I recently, oh, before I do that, you and I actually had a conversation, um, last night about um you know tupac versus biggie and it was like uh it was like substance and uh you know um social causes versus um cleverness and flow and um i think jay-z has all of that to him and more and i think that's i think that's one of the reasons he's he's so widely recognized as the best of all time is he just has every element to me. Um, but I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit about Kanye. So Jay-Z is um, objectively the best rapper of all time, in my opinion, um, and objectively a very great human, um, investing so much time in a charity and, and bringing people up like J. Cole, et cetera. Um, Kanye is objectively a, a an asshole <laughs> he's definitely an ass an asshole i don't know how much he believes what he says i think he does believe it to a very far extent um but i there's this argument that he's that kanye himself is not uh a musical genius uh because he's an asshole mm -hmm. and um i can understand not listening to him because he's an asshole you know pick and choose um but you can't i don't think you cannot you cannot make the argument that he's not a musical genius. There's literally no argument to be made, especially if you're uh, bringing his personality into it. You know what I mean? That's not a that's not an uh, that's not an arguing point for his for the way he thinks about music. It's it's uh, it upsets me to get into mm -hmm. those types of conversations. But I you know I understand why people don't listen to him and uh, yeah. Yeah, I I listen to him less than I used to, um, but um, and you know, and yeah, I've been bothered by the things that you know, some of the terrible or really stupid things that he said. Uh, but one thing I always think of, uh, which I don't think everybody realizes, is that his uh, impact as a producer uh, back at this time, uh, and 
you know, these years before he became big as a solo artist, he's, his imprint is in so many places that he's kind of hard to cancel or hard to stop listening to because a lot of people don't even realize they're listening to Kanye sometimes when they are, you know, like in a song like this. Um, um, so yeah, but I'm not the type, you know, there's certain artists I may not listen to because of, uh, things they've done or what I disagree with them on, but I'll still listen to Kanye, uh, and then, you know, and also I think he was a lot different at this time than he is now. Um, you know, this was a long time ago. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love him as a, as a producer. And I, and I also think that, um, especially for the rock, a, a produ- the, his rock albums are my favorite production. Album. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Which, uh, which albums are you talking about? Besides, uh, Daytona, which I think is the epitome of his, uh, um, he did a lot of shit for everybody. Beanie Siegel, especially, did some shit for Freeway. Um, oh yeah, Rock Lee, Yeah, Jay Z. Yeah, yeah. I, when you said rock, I thought I was thinking rock music, and I was like, what do I not know that Kanye produced? Uh, that's rock. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He did um, have that gospel album, which is yeah. a little rockish too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like R O C K. Totally. Yeah, but um, I think this. I love this album, um, you know, the blueprint by Jay-Z. And I think that, I mean, he's all over it as a producer. There's also some other great producers on it, but I think that at this time, you know, what you're saying about, you know, the conversation about uh, Biggie. And so Jay-Z was kind of more of a bling rapper for a while, um, you know, a few albums before this. And I think that he kind of, there's something more down to earth, more soulful about this album uh, and deeper lyrically. And um, yeah, I think that he was making a shift at this time. And, you know, I look at um, like kind of the Neo soul movement and the, you know, the roots common, um, you know, most deaf Talib Kweli, like those artists uh, were having a big impact. And I, and I feel like, um, you know, Jay-Z, went more lyrical and went more soulful uh at this time uh when the, you know when this album came out and i didn't even realize it for a while because at the time i had kind of written them off uh because i wasn't i wasn't a, as big a fan of, and i was a lot younger but i wasn't as big a fan of his um you know his couple albums uh before this one yeah you know what's interesting is his his first album was uh very similar in that regard recently right out. yeah that, yeah there's a lot of and it's kind of like um with volume two he kind of like shifted you know maybe you know maybe even earlier i don't know but with volume two he kind of shifted to what you were referring to mm-hmm. um yeah and then blueprint was like a return to roots and then blueprint two was actually a really that was a that was a little more experimental you know he had like Levi, lenny kravitz on that album he had like a, a dr dre remix type beat um uh, one of the things I really appreciate about Jay-Z is this recognition of uh, West Coast rap, too, especially in, you know, such a heated time during that time. Um, his uh, his willingness and his um, ability to collaborate with Dr. Dre, for example, um, I, mm-hmm. I really, really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Totally. OK, so, yeah, we covered a lot today. Um, you know, we got Bob Dylan, Visions of Johanna. Uh, one is the magic number by Jill Scott, and then Heart of the City by Jay Z. Um, great selection of songs. So uh, yeah, thanks for sharing um, 
the Jill Scott one with me, Mike. Yeah, same to you for Bob Dylan. I hope I like the next one more. <laughs> no, <I'm just> saying, <laughs> the next song I pick or the next Bob Dylan song? Uh, both. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, take care. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care, everyone.